1: Today on Political Rewind, Georgia's GOP congressmen are staunch defenders of President Trump in the impeachment inquiry, but the majority of them voted to condemn his actions in Syria. A state legislative committee spent this week weighing the benefits of legalizing gambling in Georgia, and a new poll brings good news for Brian Kemp and David Perdue. Political Rewind starts now. Thanks for being with us for our show. I'm Bill Nygut. Those topics you just heard me uh, talk about, well, there's about a dozen more that we'll try to get to as we move through our show today. Our panel today includes the AJC's lead political writer and my partner two days a week on Political Rewind, Jim Galloway. You read him on Wednesdays and Sundays in the newspaper, and he oversees the Political Insider blog every single day. Thanks for being here. No, Jim. Be great to be here. State Representative Darshan Kendrick is with us. She's a Democrat who is at District 93. Yes, do I got the number right? Yeah. Uh, part of DeKalb, South Gwinnett. Right. That's your right. district. All right. What do you what's your most what's the committee assignment that people would want to identify you with that you want to be identified with most?
2: Um, probably Judiciary Non-Civil, so I'm the ranking Democrat on the Judiciary Non-Civil, which is our Criminal Law Committee. I don't know what you're is. You're
1: also Juvenile Justice Yes, committee. Juvenile
2: Justice, um, and then Small Business and Jobs Creation. Okay, so.
1: okay. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Kerwin Swind, we haven't seen you for a while, and I'm really glad you're back today. You are the head of the School, or the College of Government. School of Government. School of Government at Kennesaw State University. Uh, you're also a columnist for Georgia Trend. Mm-hmm. And you said right before we went on the air, you're teaching again for the first time in a while. What's the course?
0: Campaigns and elections. And uh, (laughs) it's it's exciting. It's hard to get the students off of talking about Donald Trump all the time, right?
1: I'll bet that's right. You know what? Welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) world. (laughs) Cody Hall joins us today. He is the press secretary uh, for Governor Brian Kemp and uh, always shows great courage. In coming on the show. How are you, Cody? You doing well? I'm doing great. Doing great. We're going to talk a little bit in a while about the uh, poll that shows some pretty good news for your boss, but let's start. Jim Galloway, uh, your colleague out at the state capitol, James Salzer, who who follows the budget, as I've said on the show many times, more closely than anybody else, uh, filed a story that looks at what the impact of the 4% budget cuts that the governor has acquired for the uh, rest of this year, the current year, and the 6% that he's looking at for fiscal year next year. And, and there's, uh, the impact appears to be quite significant, particularly to state personnel, but, but, there, but among the areas where there, uh, there are some real issues, and this was reported by Ariel Hart, who does health for you, is uh, issues that, that relate to, to health in many ways. Ariel says there are pro- proposed reductions of some 4.9 million to services for adult dis- addictive diseases 9.6 million for adult, adult mental health services 11.8 million for child and adolescent mental health services and then a grant that would allow for a study on the terrible problem we have in the state with maternal mortality has been cut out of the budget as well. So we can talk about the state personnel and all, but this is one that where I think a lot of people are going to really express some uh, concern.
3: Uh, especially since, since health care is such a, uh, a volatile issue in, in Georgia. Uh, uh, it's uh, we are not we 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 are we're in a debate over whether to expand Medicaid or not or or uh, get a Medicaid waiver uh, And and here we go on the other end uh, making making more trims uh, The other part of course that that's getting a heavy cut apparently is the Department of Corrections uh, the state prison system. Yeah uh, uh, we're, we're laying off teachers. We are taking a few uh, few teachers that are earning something like a hundred thousand and cutting their salaries by Thirty-seven thousand, I think. Yeah. And and maybe they quit. Maybe they don't. Well, uh, it's 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 a it's a significant it's a this is a significant uh, budget cut that uh, that that Governor Kemp has ordered. So
1: Darshan, that, that said, um, the governor has been getting some positive feedback about this from a couple of the financial rating services that say. His office is being wise to look at what could happen if there's a financial downturn, which many people expect. The state economist says we're going to have a modest recession, potentially. Given that maybe we do have to be a little cautious about spending, I'd really love especially to get your reaction to this notion that these cutbacks in mental health and studying maternal mortality here, which is a huge problem for Georgia, right?
2: Yeah, I mean... um Nobody is disputing that we're probably going to go into uh, a mild recession. Um, My my same reading has come up with the same conclusion, but it's a matter of priority and the priorities in the cut. When we talk about health care, specifically that Georgia is number one in the death of women, particularly women of color that I represent in my district, and that is being cut, um, it always... Harkens back to the discussion on HB 3481 which I have always said was never a discussion about health care It was a discussion about control And so to me this sort of underlies what I've been been saying before because if we really care about Every single citizen here in the state of Georgia health care should be the last thing in my opinion that should be on the block So
1: Cody, let me bring you in because I, I, I want you to help us all understand um A couple questions for you. Number one, it does feel to me as if, you know, the governor said we do need to make cuts. We know that one of the reasons he wants to do that is to fulfill his promise to give teachers the $5,000 raise he promised during the campaign. Um, But it does feel that as all of the things that we're reading about, mostly that Salzer has reported, are rolling in. Your office is pushing back saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, we don't want personnel cuts. This isn't the way we envisioned all this. Is this thing kind of getting uh, momentum in a way that you guys hadn't anticipated and that is making you a little nervous?
4: So I think there's kind of two parts to this. Generally, once the budget is signed every year, then the governor takes the late summer and early fall to work with state agencies about what their proposals are, are going to be. And that's the the step that we're in right now. Agencies have now submitted those proposals to our budget office. Um, The budget office in a couple weeks will then sit down with the governor, go through those proposals, and try to iron out what our priorities in those proposals are going to be. Um, So we haven't gotten to that part yet. So I I do want to stress that while um, some of the um, headlines do sell papers, um, you've got to remember that these are drafts uh, of proposals that are coming from agencies. And there's two different directives to agencies. One was to start withholding your monthly allotment starting October 1. What does that mean? Correct. So that's the monthly allotment from the the budget office to these agencies, and it was 4% for the entire fiscal year, which would then run to June 30th of next year. So actually each month these agencies are only looking at cutting 1 ninth of the 4% cut. That's on one side. On the other side is the directive for the upcoming bigger budget in 2020. What we've been very clear about, um, both letters from the budget office to agencies said that, well, first and foremost, before you submit a proposal, you should look at trying to eliminate vacancies that are funded but not filled. Number two, you should look at trying to cut down on travel for state workers. Look at conferences you may be going to. Only in the very last case scenario should you look at reduction of any kind of payroll. And absolutely, the very last thing you should look at is any reduction in courses. But
1: that's not the message that's gotten out there. I mean, unfortunately, that's what I'm talking about. Before we go to...
4: Are you saying that some of
3: this is may, maybe some bureaucratic maneuvering uh, hmm. in order to kind of uh, generate uh, legislative
4: support? What I'm saying route. is that the governor has not made his final budget proposal to the General Assembly, um, and until that time, these are drafts. Okay. Um, I just want to go back to one thing. Sure.
1: Because you have a, we know those of us who work with you, you have a great relationship with the media. You've always done really well with media. When you say these numbers sell papers, mm-hmm. it makes me a little uncomfortable. These are actual proposals <laughs> that are being put forth that the public sure. certainly has a right <laughs> to know about. Absolutely. So it isn't as if. The media is, in some sure. way, manipulating things. I, 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 and if I can just throw in a little. Uh,
3: budget stories don't sell newspapers.
4: <laughs> well, it
3: was on the front page
2: today. It
4: was Maybe on the front to... <laughs> page of the Friday paper. You're right. But exactly I would say right. that, um, it is absolutely um, a, a function of media and the public to know what's going on in state government. That's why we believe it's one of the most transparent budget processes we've ever had. All these budget documents are posted on the OPB yeah. website. Anyone can go view them. But I do think one thing that the media has not done a great job of is providing these drafts with the correct context of what the governor and our budget office directed state agencies to look at primarily.
1: So, Kerwin, what we're hearing, I think, pretty clearly from Cody is, yes, those proposals, which have some of the what seem like draconian measures, Mm. uh, are, in fact, in the proposals. That doesn't mean the governor is gonna move forward when he sees these numbers and actually incorporate them. The legislature will have an opportunity to have budget hearings about the next fiscal year budget. They too will be able to make recommendations. So this really is a, a process But we already have a fairly good feeling that there are some leaders in the legislature who are not happy with all of this.
0: Well, sure, it's a dance, it's a process, and there will be opportunities for legislators to weigh in. Uh, But look, I mean, the governor is facing cross pressures here. I mean, it's a huge budget, and he's under some pressure to keep the financial ratings high, as you suggested. Uh, He wants to keep Georgia strong enough to where they can keep being the the place businesses want to come to. Everybody has their, their programs they want to protect. I mean, he campaigned on education, uh, he campaigned on finding a Medicare waiver. You know, so those are sort of things he's focused on in healthcare. Uh, And with a huge budget like that, uh, there's plenty of opportunity to look for opportunities.
3: If I I couldn't, now that I've got a a, a gubernatorial (laughs) spokesman right in front of me. uh,
4: (laughs) That's uh, why I said it takes courage
1: for him to come on the show. (laughs) But,
3: uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, this week, Governor uh, Kemp went in front of teachers and and kind of reiterated Mm -hmm. his promise that they were going to get, I think, a $5,000 pay pay raise. But he didn't commit to doing it this next year. He's already
1: done twenty five. We've got
3: three. Or tw- I'm sorry, three thousand. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is that is that something that's going to happen this calendar this this uh, in,
4: in, during this next session? So I'll answer that by saying that one of the reasons why we've had to take this proactive measure in terms of the budget directives um, to start looking at state spending is because revenues are not matching historical data. So we're having to kind of take it month by month to see what. That's why we did this proactively. So. Um, I would also say that every campaign promise that the governor had made on the campaign trail, he started to make good on as governor. We've got most of the teacher pay raise. That's why he's committed to continuing to, to keep that promise. Um, we went after gangs. We've uh, doubled funding for mental health in, in high schools. We've put out school security funding, local control in every school. So, Stick to the subject. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that
0: it sounds like I a candidate. All the
4: right. <laughs> governor has kept his promises up until now, and that's what he reiterated to superintendents and uh,
1: that. I want to do two things and then give it to you, Darshan. First, we should say that what you just said is we we know that September revenue collections were down mm-hmm. over last September, and this is the first time this has happened in quite some time. I mean, sure. usually September is a, a better year for for the state. Okay, so there is something to that, Darshan. Before I turn this back to you. It's always important that I point out, George Public Broadcasting is a state agency. We get a portion of our budget from the state government. And in fact, our CEO has had to make some significant cuts. But I always also have to point out that none of the programming that we do on GPB, Political Rewind on Second Thought, all of the money that uh, comes to us for these shows is all donors or foundations. And I think those are important distinctions. Now, respond to what you're hearing.
2: Yeah, so, you know, I was gonna say, yes, Governor Kemp has kept a lot of his promises, including restricting women's access to um, uh, healthy uh, abortions. And that's a part of the larger conversation that we have about about healthcare. Um, But I think, you know, when we have this conversation and we have these national conversations about the relationship between politicians and the media, particularly in during this administration, it's always important to to understand that there is, this is a dual relationship between the media and the information that gets out. And so while the media is, um, is tasked with making sure that the public has that information, we as politicians and elected officials also have uh, an, a, a responsibility right. to get that information.
1: So you're on the other side of the aisle. You're in you know, Democrat, but we, you've been hearing rumblings. I'm sure the Speaker and uh, and and some of his Republican leadership in the House, they've been caught. They say I think a little off guard. They're they're not happy that they're being uh, asked to take these cuts, and they're even less happy about the fact that a directive came out of the governor's office that when David Ralston called for early yeah. budget hearings. Yeah. Uh, the governor's office said, ignore them. Okay. Don't go to their yeah. budget hearings.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not a Republican, so I can't uh, speak too much to the inside politics. But that's the same thing that I heard. Of. You know, traditionally, we have had um, an opportunity to hear from agencies so we can sort of prioritize where the money needs to be spent. And so I think this is uh, an interesting opportunity in time where we are seeing the budget process maybe go a little different. It well, except, affect.
1: Kerwin, there still will be, unless, unless Cody tells me I'm wrong, we still will have our traditional budget hearings sure. in the legislature after the start of mm-hmm. the session. So legislators will have a shot at this, but the budget cuts that are coming this year, mm-hmm. which are part of the supplemental budget, they're not getting a crack yet, as far yeah. as I can tell.
0: Yeah, from from what I read, the governor's office had a concern that they weren't ready to go public. They weren't ready to have that conversation yet. Now, there may be spin. I don't know. But uh, certainly the, uh, the the hearings are going to be an important part of it. Uh, it has to be.
4: Cody? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I would say that, um, number one, we're following the same budget process that governors have followed for decades. Um, and Like I alluded to earlier, our budget office in a couple weeks will begin conversations with the governor about what's going to be in our proposed budget next year. And once we've had those conversations to make sure that um, revenues are still on track for where we thought they would be. Um, absolutely, we're going to continue to go through the process in but, January. Uh, okay, with the okay, but Assembly.
3: what? But, but what? You're, what you're also saying is that, and I think that's what Darshan. This is, I think, what, was what you were getting at. Is uh, you, you had said earlier that uh, you, uh, departments are dealing with a four percent cut spread over nine months. That's right. Right. Uh, the legislature we'll get the last six months yeah, of those yeah. cuts. Mm-hmm. But right now, the first three months of those cuts are not getting any oversight no, from right. the legislature
4: mm-hmm. at all. Correct? Right. Well, that's a function of how our state government works, that when the legislature is out of session, the governor and the um, Office of Planning and Budget have to look at state revenues as they come in and make sure that state agencies are preparing for the future. Well, you okay. can't
2: call a special session that's- FYI is okay. an option. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's start, always
4: uh, right.
1: an option. I want to move on, except to say this, Jim, you're going to be down at the Capitol, as you always are when this session starts. And this process is unfolded in such a way that I think it's safe to say the governor and the leadership, especially in the House, are already at odds to some extent a couple of months before the session even well, starts. Look, this is this is, a, look, you've got a difficult
3: situation. You've got a 50-50 chance of a recession yeah. in an mm-hmm. election year. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got and you've got a, a, a very precarious situation in the House, where you could have. I mean, you, you know, you've you've got you've got Democrats gunning for control. So yeah, you've got a lot of ner- nervous people who are going to be in the Capitol yeah. in January.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is not the time that a given representative wants to see the budget cut for something that really matters to constituents out there. Right. For example. All right, let's move on. Kerwin, you're teaching a class this uh, semester in uh, campaigns and elections. Morning Consult, which is the pol- polling arm of Politico. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should point out, gets a pretty high rating from 538, which rates the, the quality of, of various polls. So it's, it's considered, it's yeah. not a gold standard yeah. poll, but it's up pretty, pretty, good pretty high. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, They had pretty good news for uh, Cody Hall's boss uh, in their latest poll this month of governors. They also polled senators. Um, they show that Brian Kemp has a 53% approval rating 28% disapproval. 19% said they don't even know who he is. But, um, <laughs> but that's interesting because he's well above 50%, even after 481, which people like Darshan are really furious about. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think he's made some good calls. I mean, you know, the economy continues to do well, even though trouble may be around the corner, um, and he's trying to prepare for that. Um, He's done a little better than expected in making some of his appointments. Uh, It's been a more diverse slate of appointments than a lot of people thought. So I think maybe there's some Democrats out there uh, buoying his numbers a little bit Mm. and some independents who think well of that. Um, So, yeah, I think he's doing well. Um, This is going to be a tough year, like Jim said. Um, a, a, the next year, a year and a half, is going to be crucial uh, to see if it can
1: keep that above fifty percent. Jim, what do you think when you
3: see? Those well, the, the other part of that is 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 uh, Stacey Abrams is finally kind of standing down a little bit here, mm. and and giving giving the uh, uh, Governor Kemp a little time to settle into his job, I think. And and look, it's it's you know, fifty three percent is 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 okay. Uh, it is it is uh, uh, up until look in in in. From, from the time Republicans took over in about 2002, your, your, your average statewide Republican was hitting 58% in a general election, correct? Mm-hmm. Some, yeah. Somewhere around in there? Yeah. 53 is the new normal for the GOP, well, and it's down a good yeah. bit. Yeah, but
1: I would also argue, Darshan, uh, and I don't want you to pick up for the governor because you're on the, in the opposition, but I would also argue in these times, the way the public mm-hmm. feels about elected officials, 53%, especially after the huge controversy over 481, Governor Kemp ought to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, me.
2: I'm, I mean, I was surprised, uh, particularly given uh, 481. But to your point, he's made some very um, interesting appointments as a later, particularly um, DA appointments, yeah. Um, yeah. of people that look yeah. just like me. And so, um, you know, I will give him credit for that. I think there are um, some people who think, hey, maybe 481 is not as bad as as it actually is. Well, well, um, so but, but we
3: also remember, 481 has been set aside by the federal... That's right. We'll see what happens. As everybody knew it would be. And and, and, uh, the talk of a film industry boycott has been also set aside. That's right. So so the implications of 481 have been dodged so far. Cody, you're pretty happy
4: with those numbers, aren't you? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things we started out at the beginning of the year, the same pollster had us at 48%, so we're moving in the right direction. But I think it's a result of Georgians seeing a governor that's doing exactly what he said he would do on the campaign trail. You may not agree with him on issue X or issue Y, but you see a guy who's working hard um, and is doing what he told the people would do when a record number of people voted for
1: him. Jim, uh, we also saw a morning consults poll on uh, senators, and uh, we're paying particular attention right now to David Perdue. Before I get to Perdue, do you know this? Do you know which senator consistently and once again is the s- most popular senator in all of the 50 states? I confess, it's I don't. it's Bernie Sanders for goodness' <laughs>
2: sake. <laughs> you gotta know, get that Of course, course. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think that's really interesting. The people of Vermont love Bernie Sanders. He yeah. consistently rates as the the highest polled. Uh, senator in morning consults polls and Amy Klobuchar is way up there uh, too which is interesting. job security just in case things don't work that's out. exactly right <laughs> David Perdue uh, it's interesting there was a time when David Perdue was polling better than Brian Kemp and uh, Donald Trump they we don't have uh, Trump numbers in here today but uh, Purdue's at 49 approval 27 disapproval 14 again they don't know um, He's not quite, a, he's almost uh, look, a, at in, water in, in, level. In Georgia,
3: <laughs> I think that, again, is, is, is still pretty good. I, as, I agree. As, you agree? As, yeah. as, yeah. as, as uh, polarized as we are, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good starting mm-hmm. place 12 months out. Yeah, Kerwin. Especially uh, with as much
1: money as he's got behind it. There you go. Kerwin, oh. right. yeah, it. that's a really good trade. Sure. Right. Combine that number with what we saw in terms of financial disclosures yep. uh this past week and we may get to that at a certain point if we have time in the show uh produce far ahead of all the democrats who are running against him uh because they've split the money among like four of them um these are good signs for purdue as he goes into 2020. it
0: is a good sign i mean he's going to have rock star support among republicans because of his relationship with donald trump he's got over six million on hand right now um, I, I think he's looking good. I mean, I, I don't see the Democrats taking the David Perdue seat in the absence of a uh, collapse for Donald Trump's support in Georgia.
1: All right, Darshan, I think what Kerwin just said is really interesting. As we sit here in mid-October, he said David Perdue was going to do well because of his close relationship with Donald Trump we don't have a clue what's going (laughs) to happen to President Trump. This could be a very rocky number of months and well into 2020 for President Trump. What does that mean for David Perdue in that sense?
2: Yeah, I think um, he uh, is going to have to really pay attention to what goes on in Washington, D.C. Obviously, I hope that you are very, very wrong. Um, (laughs) Maybe maybe I will. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the slate of Democrats that we have right now, um, are a strong group, in my opinion. And I think you'll see closer to um, sort of the spring, you'll see who is going to stand out, who is ha- going to have the message that is really going to galvanize and, and sort of bring people out. And listen, we are still, what, a, a year out. So like you say, anything can happen. And um, and so I am anticipating a, a good run.
1: Well, Jim, we got to get to a break. You get the last word. We do know that Purdue will remain tied at the hip to, go to President Trump. There's no way he cannot be at this stage. And to some extent, given good polling numbers, given money his fate really is in many ways tied to the president or am i wrong will george no separate no you're you no, you're you're,
3: you're you're right it is tied to him but you can also see during this 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 recess recess that just finished up you could see david Perdue making the rounds through georgia trying to kind of establish a a, a secondary persona uh, in addition to the uh, in, uh, other, something other than Trump's best he's friend, he's
1: taking on different issues. He's not going to go after gun rights uh, to take on gun rights, but he is going to talk about coming up with a way in which uh, schools will uh, right. have a, mm-hmm. a a pool to dip into to make themselves more safe and secure. That sort of thing. something, something yeah. to
3: make him his, his yeah. to, to, to boost right. his appeal among women.
1: Let's do this. Let's get to a break. Um, when we come back, let's talk about a committee that was meeting down at the Capitol this past week talking about horse race gambling. We'll be right back. You know, selling a car can be a hassle, but donating it is a whole different story. Let us take it off your hands or off your driveway and turn it into public radio and maybe even a tax deduction. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdahl, the host of Marketplace, and here is how to donate. Call 877 gpb one car or donate securely online at gpb.org slash cars. And thanks.
2: It's unprecedented for
0: the children of a president to be working for a business that enriches them and the president
1: while in office.
2: It's not just... You got to call it paramutual betting, like the. Uh, Here
1: we come. We're back on political rewind. Um, you want to call it paramutual wagering? The, is that what you were saying? We're yeah, the, back?
2: the uh, legislator that died. He always used to propose the bill. I forget his name now, but paramutual betting is okay. his term for it.
1: Okay, let's talk about this, um, Jim. I'm fascinated by the fact that um, we had this hearing, House Ways and Means, Brett Harrell. Uh, the uh, chair of that committee he's a Republican in Snellville one of the first of all one of the things I think is interesting is that um, the way he was framing this was well no we're not really talking here to talk just about gambling we're here to look at compare which industries might provide the most new revenues for the state of right, Georgia? Right, right. Yeah, but but you can see you can see you can you can see.
3: I, I'm not going to say that the, the, the that the tide has turned on gambling in Georgia, but you can see some cracks in the wall. Uh, I mean I mean for instance, you, you I mean on this on this economic development committee that we're talking about, uh, you saw Ginny uh, 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 Earhart, wife of Earl Earhart, uh, the longtime House member. Thirty years and thirty years in the House, a House Republican, uh, who is now uh, now being hired to kind of uh, push lobbying, uh, push gambling through. Uh, th- when I, I looked at these three days, and the w- thing that I noted most was that at the outset, at the very beginning, last August, uh, Brandon Beach, uh, uh, who's also a gambling advocate, had had told me that there was going to be a a, a session conducted, a, a session of the committee. Uh, conducted at at SunTrust Park, yeah, and that the Falcons were showing, going to show the Braves were going to show, and and the Hawks, and all three were going to endorse sports betting. That did not happen, yeah. hmm. and and that, that tells me something.
1: Darshan, what do you see among your colleagues in terms of the appetite for? They talked this week about casinos. They did talk about parimutuel wagering, horse racing. Um... What is the appetite really down there for for passing a bill that will legalize one form or another of gambling? (laughs)
2: Well, it depends on which colleagues you're talking about. Um, Of course, we've had this discussion about what you do with the money, which is my biggest Mm -hmm. concern. Um, I'm only interested in betting if it goes to need-based scholarships for hope. That is absolutely the only thing that I am interested in. I am not interested in going to somebody who doesn't need the money. Um, So it really depends on who you're talking to. There's a spectrum of people who are all sort of libertarian about it. Just let them do what they want. And then there are people who, on the other end, are scared of the, you know, the Baptist convention and, uh, and the, the interesting letters that we get from them. Um, so it really depends on, on who you talk to.
1: Um, so <clears throat> Cody,
4: let's be clear about your boss. No way <laughs> so, or is there a way? So, um, this issue does not require a signature or veto by the governor.
1: Because it has to go to the public mm-hmm. before, to for a referendum. Referendum. Mm-hmm. constitutional majority. Majority. amendment. Mm-hmm.
4: Correct. So he weighed in last year and essentially said that um, we don't really have a say in this process, um, but did make a a suggestion that if it did go through that um, Representative Kendrick's idea would be how he felt that the, the dollar should go towards hope. Um, but the governor, um, for a while now, has been personally opposed to gambling and is going to stay that way.
0: The the lobbying has been intense for years, um, and and it's bound to break through at some point, particularly if we think that a recession is coming, revenues may be tight. This is another source of revenue. But I think you're absolutely correct. If it's not tied to the Hope Scholarship, uh, it's not going to have the support. My research indicates that casinos is more profitable than horse racing. But the problem is political, and that is everyone around the state, they're going to want their cut. They're going to want a casino, and they're part of the state. Which, from what I have read, dilutes the overall profitability of the whole operation. It's just moving money around at that point. Yeah, the best bet would be one big casino somewhere in the state.
1: Um, it, it, you know, Jim, the uh, if we go, we can go back in time, <laughs> get in our time machine, and go back to Zell Miller as governor, as campaigning for governor, said we're going to have, uh, we're going to, we're going to legalize. Um, Uh, lotteries in Georgia under my administration and he had those monies earmarked very specific buckets hope scholarship pre-k and computer technology and even at that it it barely passed it's Mm -hmm. barely passed it's barely there it barely passed and it hurt him politically
3: for some time Uh, not now of course he's got he's he's got (laughs) many many buildings on university campuses across Georgia named after him yeah Uh, but I would take Darshan's uh uh point here is the only way you are going to be able to sell a a two-thirds vote on gambling is if you put a cause out there and if it is a cause that everybody agrees on and and, and that needs to be supported yeah. that's what that's what that's what hope scholarship was originally sure sure
2: yeah and i don't want to be clear because what i'm saying is i am only interested in need based mm-hmm. hope so not even well, that hope. Was, that was
3: so hope, we are hope, even hope originally talking, was needs based yeah. so
2: we're, we're, we're talking about not only just giving the money to hope i am specifically looking for need based hope so that's even more detail
1: so with that, all of that said cody Um, I think the governor has been pretty clear this is up to the public, but given that that it will be a constitutional amendment, it'll be on the ballot, would your office be looking as they watch this develop to be involved in tweaking, in uh, making suggestions on the best way to approach this so that the voter has some very,
4: you know, real choices to make on this? I think the governor is going to have a number of priorities next session, and I don't think any of these are, are going to be. You watching. say he's going to stay out of this. He's going to watch That's it. That's
1: my understanding. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll watch it. See how that turns out. I'm, here's a. You know, Jim. The arts community in Metro Atlanta, particularly, it is doesn't get. I don't think the kind of recognition that people like me wish it would. But it's interesting that Alan Vella, who's the boss of the Fox Theater went down and talked to lawmakers and said, look, if we're going to have casinos, please, please don't allow them to have entertainment Mm -hmm. venues. Mm -hmm. Well- that's not going to happen. No. But <laughs> it's an understanding. But it yeah, tells but us it, something about how it. people like the Fox, the Woodruff Arts Center. They all feel mm-hmm. about and, and, and,
3: and he's made that trip down to the Capitol yeah, before. Of course. But what they're what they're afraid of is is that these casinos will use will use these uh, concerts and and mm-hmm. other attractions to draw people in mm-hmm. at a lo- as a lost leader, right. undercut these these uh, these other established venues in Atlanta.
1: Let me tell you. When the Rockettes came to Atlanta to do Christmas uh, shows at the Fox, I can tell you that at the uh, Alliance Theater, which has been doing a Christmas carol for decades, t- ticket sales went down. So you can understand in a way, Kerwin, why there'd be some nervous folks yeah, out there.
0: But if the casinos can't put on shows, can't bring in. Yeah, right. new, right.
1: back in yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. all right. It's be really interesting to uh, watch it. Um, let's talk briefly, Jim. We. we we, we presumably have a ceasefire. I do not want to get into the politics of how the president handled all of this. We've talked before about whether it was a terrible mistake to do what he did. Let's talk about it strictly from a Georgia perspective. We had a vote in the House the other day, um, which was a voted non-binding resolution to um, condemn the action, to criticize the president for withdrawing troops from the United uh, from northern Syria. And, uh, of course, all the Democrats voted for it, but we saw a Republican split on this. Um, Doug Collins, Buddy Carter, Drew Ferguson, Austin Scott, Rob Woodall all voted for the resolution. Rick Allen, Tom Graves, Barry Loudermilk voted against it, and Jody Heiss, he voted president, president. which I thought was really a strange choice. But anyhow, so what do we make of this split? Anything? Uh, Well,
3: I think the the most interesting choice there was, was Doug Collins. Yeah. Uh, and number one, uh, uh, he, he carries a lot of uh, respect uh, in in Congress. He is also the ranking uh, member on House Judiciary that we've we've talked about. He is kind of Trump's chief defender in, in, on, on impeachment issues. Uh, but he, but people forget that he also he he's, he was also military reserves yes. and he served as a chaplain over there. He knows that territory. He's probably met some of the some of the parties involved here. And 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 the other part of that, of course, is that he's kind of on the uh, at least in my mind. Uh, Cody will tell me if I'm wrong. He's on the short list for uh, uh, for uh, for a U.S. Senate appointment. To oh. replace mm-hmm. the- he's
1: before you know, the show's over, he's going to tell oh, us. Well. Oh, no, no, no. sure. all the answers, uh, uh, Kerwin. Um, I I think Jim makes a really interesting point that Doug Collins is probably the most vociferous defender of President Trump on the Hill. And for him, given his military background, it makes sense. But for him to vote against the president on this, I find that really interesting. Um, As I said at the very start of the show, they're all lining up to defend him on the impeachment uh, issues. But when it comes to this in foreign uh, affairs, they feel free to go off and take their own positions to some extent. It's
0: a big deal to them, and it's been really interesting to watch, and it shows you the, the difference in the foreign policy philosophy of these congressional Republicans who are marrying a more traditional Republican foreign policy. Donald Trump, in a lot of ways, and this is mm-hmm. one of them, is not a traditional mm-hmm. Republican president. I guess that's obvious. Uh, but he sees these things in a more libertarian frame, more like Mm -hmm. a Ron Paul or Mm -hmm. Rand Paul. Or Joe Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Sure, and so there's a real split there, and these Republicans, you have to give them credit. You know, they're not cutting and running on this issue. They're standing up for what they believe in.
1: So, Darfion, there is... I believe a little bit that um, once you pierce the armor on the Syria uh, move, once you start watching how the president handled that whole situation and the aftermath, Mm of the the so-called ceasefire, um... I'm not sure you can ever put the piece back in place and hold the line now on impeachment, too. In other words, what I'm saying is I can't help but wonder if this is the beginning of a larger discussion that Republicans on the Hill are going to have as they look at the president and impeachment. Think I'm dreaming?
2: I mean, I, I stopped trying to understand Republican leadership a long time ago. But um, every time that I think as a Democrat that this is the beginning of the end or this is going to change shifts or, or anything like that, I'm proven wrong. Because Well, there is else. an
1: impeachment going. Right. On, right, right. Process going. Right. On, right.
2: Um, but I, I don't think if I mean, personally, I don't think we're any closer to Republicans voting for impeachment or voting to remove him than we were before okay. the Syria thing. But that's just OK.
3: But I I will tell you, Bill, I I think, you know, there's always been the conversation, especially among Republicans, especially among Trump supporters, that the Trump we see on Twitter isn't the real Trump. Is is, is, is is some it's I mean he, he's he's that's something uh, behind closed doors he's something different but I, I will tell you what the, the the most revealing thing I think out of this week was that October 9th letter that Trump sent to the to the, the president of Turkey Yeah, Erdogan and and it was it was it was it was in language in language that exactly like the kind that he uses. Don't be
0: a tough guy. Is that what he said on the letter? right? Right, yeah. right. We, yeah.
3: can, we can make a deal. Yeah. Exclamation point. Yeah.
1: It's it's. Don't be the devil.
3: Yeah. It is. It is. It, it, I mean, it, it was Twitter language yes. in an official uh, yeah. an, an official communication.
1: Cody, how I, it given the impeachment investigation, given uh, this week, we also now learn that the president has absolutely no reservations about bringing G7 to his own uh, resort uh, given a lot of things that are going on is how hard is it to work with your, you're the press guy. Are you having to hold, you know, stand at the barricades and keep people like us from coming at your boss and saying, you better tell us how you feel about Trump right now. He was a big supporter of
4: yours. How does that work for you? Well, thankfully we have a governor that is very active um he's been traveling the state we've been pushing out positive things that we'd like to talk about but i think kerwin had it right i mean a lot of these members would rather be voting on the new trade agreement with canada and mexico so i think that's always at play um but we have a lot of good things to be talking about here in georgia and we'll continue to do that
1: um by the way we we know that doug collins kerwin has been sort of out of the mix since the impeachment inquiry went over to the intelligence committee and alan Schiff, by adam Mm this week this the use of the golf resort his own golf resort could be a violation, some Democrats are saying of the emoluments clause, which would bring it right back for investigation in judiciary, and there would be Doug Collins <laughs> Holding the line for the president again, probably.
0: Yeah, it could be. And uh, Congressman Collins has done a lot of good for himself this year. Um, mm-hmm. And if he if he wants that Senate seat, I think he's uh, you know, one of the top contenders.
1: Do you do? You, have you made that made that clear? To... Not. I, mean, I, I have. a Feeling other people have that. All right, we're going to take a break, <laughs> and, but let's hit, let's talk just for a minute about that, sure. Cody. Um, you have well over 500 applicants for this job, I understand. Can you give us any insight about? The process at this point, the time frame for a decision, Johnny Isaacson steps down at the end of the year. We're getting closer. Give us some sense of where this
4: all stands from you guys' perspective. Right. I I think the only person that knows exactly where this stands is Governor Kemp. Um, But I think, you know, there are a couple things here. The process um, of the application of being transparent with this. Um, whole endeavor, um, has really played out how exactly we wanted it to. There have been folks that people thought would apply that haven't. There have been people that um, you never would have thought of that threw their hat in the ring. There were a couple this year very qualified private sector folks um, that really present a different um, take on what would be a U.S. um, senator. I think the other thing um, at play here, and I think Kerwin may have alluded to it earlier, is that the governor, um, in his appointments process, has taken his time. Um, but he's also appointed some very diverse, some firsts, um, but also people you wouldn't typically think of being um, in these positions. And I think he's going to bring that same mindset to Is the it choice. completely
1: certain that whoever the governor names to fill this seat through uh, much of 2020, he <laughs> wants to be the person who will run for that seat in the special election in 2020, and then presumably in 2022. I don't think
4: I don't think he's made that um, point, so I'm not going to make it for him. There um, could
1: still be a placeholder.
4: He hasn't ruled it out, so I'm not going to form. Uh,
3: let me just again a uh, process question: Are we going to see a a, a shortlist uh, anytime soon, or is this going to be? Uh, one 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 pick out of the 500.
4: Um, I'll refer to what I said earlier, that there's only one guy that exactly where we are so, in this process. So, Darshan, I'm interested. I'm not
2: implying, no. You're not? You're not <laughs> implying? No, I'm not. Here, okay,
1: so here's one of the things that interests me about this. I, I understand the governor's office making this point about, oh, this process is transparent. But, you know, typically, if you've got to make a, an appointment like this... Uh, You do it very very quietly there may be 500 people as there are who applied Mm -hmm. who want the job and are calling your office and saying me 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 but when it comes right down to it only one person is announced the governor's office has put a great many high profile republican officials in the position of putting themselves out there Mm -hmm. in vulnerable place And most of them, all but one, aren't going to get it. There is something about that that's a little discomforting, I think. No?
2: Well, I mean, um, <laughs> if, if you're saying we're going to lose some Republicans and some seats, I'm okay with that. No, right?
1: I, what, I'm, no what I'm saying is there are a lot of people out there. Like you talk about, Doug Collins yeah. a great choice. Probably, Somebody's going to be disappointed, but he right. may be disappointed, and it's that doesn't exactly make him look great when he's not selected.
2: Yeah, that's true, and um, and obviously I haven't had a chance to go through all the all the applications, but listen, maybe people are just hedging their their bets. Um, obviously, <laughs> if 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 people think they're qualified and they, they go ahead and um, um, do it. I mean, it, most of these people have ran for office, so they know the concept of winners and losers, hopefully. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised it's if they win some. It's an interesting yeah. process. I it don't is. remember this ever being done. No, it's yeah. not.
1: You yeah. know, this reminds me a little bit of the way Al Gore used to introduce himself after the 20... 20- Uh, 2000 election, when you give a speech, you'd say, hi, I'm Al Gore.
4: I used to be the next president of the United States. How do you answer that before we take a break? I do think, you know, having gone through (laughs) the last general election in Georgia, the folks that are concerned about the political pressure they'll get if they apply publicly, just wait until if you got the job, you then have to run, be in a runoff and run again in in two years. This is not going to be an easy process. And the easiest part is applying for this job.
1: Okay. Can Mm -hmm. can you not give us a date when this is going to happen, for goodness sake?
4: Well, Senator Isaacson has said that he would on effective <laughs> December so 31st. Well, you can't so, do it. You're not going and, and, and will the winner get a rose?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. got to take a, a whole bunch get, of them. Let's get to our final break of the show. We'll be right back with more Political Rewind. <laughs> a
2: rose. And a proposal.
0: My name is Lauren Lynn, and I'm the Associate Director of Marketing for Georgia Farm Bureau. Georgia Farm Bureau is the voice of Georgia farmers, and we work earnestly to support the state's leading industry, agriculture. We underwrite with GPB. What I like about the programming is that it reaches a diverse audience, and it enables individuals or organizations the opportunity to share their messaging across the state.
4: To find out more about becoming a corporate
0: sponsor, email sponsorship at gpb.org.
4: I'm Ira Flato. This week on Science Friday, we're talking about the links between policing and our physical and mental health. American policing has changed a lot in the last several decades, becoming more proactive. But a growing body of research suggests that this sort of policing might have unintended health consequences. It's all on Science Friday from WNYC Studios.
0: Find out more on Science Friday this afternoon at 3 on
1: GPB. Welcome back, Uh, Jim Galloway is uh, with us. Darshan Kendrick, Cody Hall, and Kerwin Swind. Um, Jim, now we have to be transparent. Uh, Of course, we're live on the radio on Friday afternoon. It's it's a little before three o'clock on the radio. We are going to be on. This show will be on uh, GPB TV Sunday morning at nine o'clock. So things can change, but as of airtime today. Nobody knows where the Democrats are going to hold their debate. No, That's the fun.
3: Democratic National Committee has not made the announcement. We know it's going to be in Georgia. We don't. Beyond that, eh,
1: maybe metro Atlanta. Well, it almost had. Doesn't it look just in terms from a facilities point of view, from a funder, from the need to have restaurants nearby work where, where donors can be courted and that sort of thing. And, 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 and other and hotel space mm-hmm. access mm-hmm. Yeah. for
3: media. And and remember, around every debate is our our, our, our kind of an army of fundraisers because yeah. this is a, this is a, a financial event for the party All as well as a debate. As, All right, well, I'm sorry, finish but, that. But so 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 the kind of the the general location is kind of limited.
1: All right. So with that in mind. Um there's a lot of talk about doing it in one of those purple districts, the sixth or seventh district. Speculate about the value of that. Well, you've got look, you've got you've got Democratic eyes on on Rob Woodall's seat
3: on reclaiming that, and 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 uh, Democrats would love a pickup that in in there. They would like to protect Lucy McMath in the sixth. Uh, And both turnout in both of those races are kind of key if they're if if Democrats have a chance of winning Georgia in the presidential campaign. So so the idea would be to advertise your 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 commitment to that area with that. Uh, The other I mean, you know, you've also got people who who say, no, you ought ought to have this at at an HBCU uh, on, on the AU campus or something like that.
1: Yeah, the the mayor, we are told, is pushing very, very hard, and she's an important player in all this, for the city of Atlanta. But let me, Kerwin, you're the academic at the table today. But mm-hmm. uh, are we, is this just an interesting topic that has no real meaning? Does it matter really whether the Democrats hold their debate in the 6th or 7th district uh, down at, Moore, at, um, at Morehouse, uh, I mean, does that really impact voters, do you think? Well, I think they should do it at Kennesaw State University. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that. Actually, that would be a pretty good choice. Yeah. We'd be open to it, I'm sure.
0: No, I, I think the way that they're really, the Democrats are really growing in the Atlanta suburbs, uh, the female voting in the Atlanta suburbs, uh, they're really missing the boat if they don't have it in either the 6th or the 7th. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, w- I would seize on that opportunity. I know the Atlanta mayor wants it downtown, but, you know, there are mm-hmm. bigger
1: things yeah. are at stake. Yeah. Darshan, um, if you're Lucy McBath, And you are in a district where you won by a very narrow margin over Karen Handel the last time around. Um, While on one hand you get some energy having a Democratic debate there, but do you really want Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris all pushing or basically pushing for Medicare for all, promoting a very liberal agenda, doesn't that have the potential to do as much harm to your campaign as good?
2: Um, well, I don't think because you're you're missing, you know, obviously we have moderates too. I'm a, a Joe Biden supporter. Right. Um, so we do have moderates on there. So I think it would essentially cancel out uh, some of the more, the more liberal leaning um, perspectives that you would have. But listen, I have some of um, the seventh in my district. Um, so I would love for them to come to the seventh district that happens to be in the 93rd House district. So I am, have my own push for that as well.
1: Cody, there was a time when our politics, we had a certain comity in our politics, a collegiality that the governor of a state would welcome with open arms the other party bringing a debate or a convention or whatever to your uh, state. Um, how do you imagine, are you already thinking about how your office is
4: going to respond to the Democrats coming in for a debate? Well, sure. And I think it's a direct contrast to the well, story we have to tell in Georgia with record employment. Um, record low unemployment, the things that they're wanting to do in healthcare are directly in opposition to what we want to do. And and I think, um, you know, the Republican campaigns in the sixth and the seventh are, are getting their press releases ready for, you know, especially in the sixth, those folks are, well, typically the voter base has higher income, more of them have private health insurance. They may not take too kindly to a Medicare for all kind of scheme that a lot of the candidates these days are for. And they're going to try to get um, those incumbents or Congresswoman McBath and then Carolyn Bordeaux and some of the other mm-hmm. runners in the other race on the record on those things.
1: So all right um, Given all that let me come back to you Darshan and then throw it around to everybody here um, Do you imagine that in the long run having the Democratic debate here is definitely a plus for Democratic candidates for office again? I say if I'm if I'm a reporter coming in from out of state to cover the debate. And I can, you know, probably can't get to Lucy McBath because the campaign probably won't make her available to me. But if they did, my first question would be, you know, Representative McBath, what do you think about Elizabeth Warren's Medicare for all plan, Bernie Sanders? Are you ready to tax, raise taxes on American voters to give to, spread? in other words, here's where I see some downsides to this possibly.
2: Um, I mean, possibly. Obviously, there's always possibly a downside to it. But I think the benefits of having Georgia on the map that is um, always um, towards electing uh, and giving our electoral votes to a to a Democratic president. I think the benefits outweigh the disadvantages.
1: Am I saying anything? Well, I mean, they could
0: ask Lucy about that anyway. You know, and, yeah, and, and yeah, Republicans prob- probably but should. Uh,
2: yeah, so you
0: know, this is going to be a big test for Lucy McBath. I mean, assuming Donald Trump is still president in a year from now, and I think he will be. Uh, can she hold on to this seat yeah. uh, if, if Trump carries Georgia? If, if she can, she's golden.
3: Mm-hmm. See, the, the, other, the other thing I would point out, Bill, is, is that this is a I mean, this is a huge traveling circus. Right. It sure is. 700 media at 700, the last debate. Right. Right. So these are our news, new people who are going to be here one day and they're going to be gone the next. And 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 they've got a you know they've got a limited agenda
1: of their own. Okay, that makes sense. I you know I throw throw that out there. I'm just curious, but I, you've all made it clear to me that I'm once again wrong about okay. something. <laughs> um, Jim, let me do one last thing because we're running out of time um, on the show. At the very beginning of the week, we talked about a flap that was going on up in Pickens County, where the school board, school superintendent made a decision that, I think they have one transgender student in the uh, school. I think he said several. But several, yep. okay. Uh, that, uh, who'd been using a teacher's restroom, and they made a decision that transgender students should use the bathroom of their choice. Uh, when we left it, they were getting sick for a big meeting up there. Apparently, it got kind of heated. There were, there were death threats, there were pr- vandalism, and the next day, they uh reversed course and said uh never mind right right the death threats were
3: were were particularly disturbing and and i don't know if look uh, the 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 these trend transgender students are they they are anonymous to us because because of privacy uh, standards that that schools are forced to adhere to they are not anonymous in their community right Mm -hmm. And so I think we had a
1: superintendent who was looking at that and seeing trouble ahead. Darshan, I can't I, I react to this. I'm curious what your thoughts are. And, and I'll tell you what I mean. You know, we went through the battle over gay marriage for mm-hmm. decades, and it was as hot as any battle could possibly be. Um, and here we go again with another issue that relates to sexual orientation that is, again, ter- throwing people into turmoil.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's unfortunate. I think the uh, the Supreme Court is actually um, hearing or has heard something um, similar um, to this uh, to this case regarding discrimination based on s- sexual orientation. So you're right; we're going to have to ha- continue to have these conversations. But what makes it so um, interesting and different is that we are dealing with kids, right? So we're, we're dealing with minors, and that just takes the conversation to a whole different I mean, sphere.
3: just think of how cruel you thought high school was. Oh, I hate it. I hate
1: Can it. you imagine somebody's going to propose legislation this session that might uh, try to uh, uh, get passed that would make transgender stu- do just that, say transgender students should use the bathroom of their choice, or is that even too hot for Democrats to take on right now?
2: Oh, you're asking if you think a Democrat Do you think a Democrat? Post-
1: well, a Republican isn't likely to, to introduce right, right. that legislation.
2: Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, a, we Democrats propose a lot of bills that don't see a lot of days, so I wouldn't be surprised. All
1: right. <laughs> Kerwin, quick word on that, and then we're out
0: of time. Well, it would be interesting to see what the Atlanta business community does with, yeah. a, with an issue like that. Exactly. We've seen yeah. them really come in on some and, and stay back on others.
1: All right. I just wanted to follow up because, Jim, we had a pretty uh, good conversation about it on the show on Monday. So that's it. We're out of time, Jim Galloway, I'll see you again at 2 o'clock on Monday afternoon. I'm looking forward to our show then. Kerwin went. thank you for making the drive down from you Kennesaw have. State University. Darshan Kendrick, it's a pleasure to have you with Cody Hall. You defended your territory <laughs> just fine. <laughs> we really do appreciate your being with us Absolutely. as well. Everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this edition of Political Rewind. We'll have news about the debate soon enough. And in the meantime, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that when you want to talk about politics and hear about politics, it'll be right here on GPB. Thanks for being with us. See you again on Monday.